Section 9 of Montezuma's Castle and Other Weird Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ginger Cucolo. Montezuma's Castle and Other Weird Tales by Charles B. Corey. Story of a Bad Indian. Melita was a half-breed, the daughter of an old squaw man. She had spent several years at the Indian school in Phoenix, and had proved herself an apt pupil. Later she went to work on Simmons' ranch. She was a very pretty, healthy-looking girl, and one day Morgan Jones, the hunter and trapper, asked her to marry him. She went with him to his cabin near the reservation and settled down. Jones was a devil-may-care sort of chap who, when he had a little money, came to the straggling one-horse town near the reservation, drank considerable whiskey, and amused himself by running his pony up and down the one street, firing off his gun, and shouting at the top of his voice. This was Jones's idea of a good time, and his method of contributing his share to the sanguinary ornamentation of the embryo metropolis. Melita made Jones a good wife, and attended to his creature comforts to the best of her ability, and when Jones returned to the cabin in an inebriated condition, she soothed him, and put him to bed, looking upon such incidents as a matter of course. For a year or more they lived contentedly, and a little boy was born to them. On the reservation lived an Indian named Tixinopa a splendid specimen of a savage athlete, and the most noted runner and hunter in his tribe. Like many of his race, while hating the white man, he loved the white man's firewater, and it made him surly and quarrelsome. He was a natural leader, and often at night he spoke with fiery eloquence of the wrongs of his race, sowing the seeds of unrest and rebellion. Tixinopa was the only cloud which disturbed the domestic horizon of the Jones family. He haunted the vicinity of the cabin, and was continually asking Melita for whiskey and tobacco when Jones was away, until at last Jones intimated to him gently that his presence was, to say the least, undesirable. Being a child of the woods and hills, he did not have at his command a large vocabulary of diplomatic phrases to enable him to do this politely. In fact, he was blunt. In describing the interview to Melita afterwards, he said, I told him if he come round here any more, I'd smash his head, and he grunts and draws himself up this way, and looks ugly and says, He's a big engine, and I told him to go to hell. For some time, Tixinopa kept away from the cabin, but one day he appeared and demanded whiskey. He was half drunk, and his bloodshot eyes blinked at Melita as he swayed unsteadily in the doorway. No, Tixinopa, there is no whiskey. Tixinopa's eyes grew ugly. You lie, you half-breed squaw, but be it so, I will take the boy away until you remember where it is. So saying, he lifted the baby by the arm and swung him onto his shoulder. The child cried out with pain from his twisted arm. Melita's heart sunk with a dreadful fear. Give the child to me, Tixinopa. Do not be rough, see, you have hurt him. She tried to take the boy, but Tixinopa pushed her away roughly and she fell to the ground. Up she sprang and threw herself upon him, trying to get the boy, and in the struggle she scratched his face slightly, so that blood came. With a curse he struck her full in the face with his clenched fist, and she fell as if dead, and lay with her hands twitching feebly. Take your half-breed brat, 
he hissed, throwing the baby roughly on the ground beside her. He turned to walk away, but something in the motionless form of the child caused him to look again, and he saw that his little head lay doubled under his arm in a way that could only mean one thing, a broken neck. Melita rose unsteadily to her feet and looked about in a dazed way until her gaze rested upon the little body of her dead baby. The next instant she was striking and cutting at Tixanopa, screaming like a mad thing. The attack was so sudden and fierce that, trained athlete and fighter as he was, Tixanopa received a deep cut on the shoulder and a slight one on the arm before he succeeded in grasping her wrist and twisting the knife from her then seizing her by the hair he drew her to him and drove the knife twice into her breast throwing her to the ground where she lay gasping her life away in broken sobs tixanopa stood for a moment looking at melita and was quite still his arm pained him and he held up his hand and watched the blood dripping from his fingers then he took a self-cocking revolver from his belt and fired shot after shot into the bodies of the dead baby and the dying mother Twice the hammer clicked on an empty shell before he ceased to pull the trigger, and he slowly turned away, pushing his empty pistol into his belt. As he did so, he found himself face to face with Jones, but a different Jones than the one he had known. This Jones's face was white and drawn, and looked years older than the other Jones. The hand which held a pistol pointed at him shook unsteadily. A minute, perhaps two minutes, passed and still the two men faced each other then an evil light came into tixanopa's eyes and his hand slid slowly towards the handle of his knife to be instantly smashed by a bullet from jones's pistol another shot and the other arm was broken at the elbow neither man had spoken but now tixanopa began a low wild chant raised to his full height with his broken arms hanging by his sides he chanted the death song of his people the same song which had been sung by his father and his father's father and for generations past by all dying warriors of his tribe tixanopa the voice was a husky whisper for her sake i won't torture yer as i would like ter god give me strength to keep from doing it but i'm afeard he won't unless i kill her quick all I hope is that if there is a hell, your black soul will roast in it for ever and ever. Amen. The muzzle of the pistol was now within a few inches of the naked breast. Still the low, wild chant went on, the bronze figure standing as if turned to stone. Then another shot, and the chant stopped. Ten minutes later, a horseman rode slowly into the desert. To his left, as he crossed the half-dry bed of the alkali stream, Two Indian boys were skinning a rabbit alive and laughing at its agony. From afar back on the other side of the valley, he heard the strains of the star-spangled banner, played by the pride of the reservation, the Indian Band. End of Story of a Bad Indian Recording by Ginger Kukulo, Washington, D.C.